If you found Joshua 5, why don't you stand and we'll read together God's Word. Joshua 5, we'll start in verse 10 and just read verse 10, 11, and 12. Grass withers and the flowers fade, but the Word of our God stands forever. Let's begin at verse 10. <clears throat> While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land, and there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. Join me as we pray. <clears throat> Father, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to our hearts by your Spirit and through your Word. God, it is so good to gather with your people, to celebrate, to worship, and to pray together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for those that have led us so far. We pray now that you will use this Bible to minister to our hearts. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What a great passage for us to be centered on as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper today. If you read it slowly and read it correctly, you'll find that this is a worshipful passage, a cleansing passage. It can be a nourishing passage. This is a hope-filled scripture that promises to feed our soul. to heal our hearts. And Lord knows there are a lot of us here that could use just that. So look, for all of you that are struggling and hurting, for all of you suffering believers, for all of you that are hungry and tired children of God and feel like you need something, let's you and I together, just for the moments we have together, Let's you and I turn aside today and have God's Word minister to our hearts as we prepare to take the Lord's Supper. Let's rejoice. It's, it's good to, to sing with, with that sort of exultation, to pray like Olivier did. Let's rejoice in our good God. That's what we find I mean, if you look closely, that's what we find the people doing right here in Joshua chapter 5. Let's uh, find the story and follow it through. Remember, you always take a passage in its context. What's going on there? Well, the people of God, they've come through hardship. By God's grace, they've made it through the desert. Forty years of wandering is over. They walked through the riverbed, dry on either side. God stopped it and dried up the river. They crossed it. Last week, we find out they've been made ready to start a new day. And that's really what I want to point you to in the next few moments. Regardless of the anxiety that you feel, regardless of the depression you might be fighting, regardless of the hole you feel like you're in, I, I want you to see today that in all of it, 
in all things, we can celebrate God's goodness in all things. In fact, if you're going to write down a sentence that could uh, sum up the sermon, there it is. In all things, we celebrate God's goodness. Let me show you a couple of things just in the passage. We'll always pull it out of the Bible. So let's go to verse 10, and there you'll see that we should be celebrating dignity. Go with me right there in verse, verse 10. Do you see it? Here's what the passage says. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal. Paul's right there. Gilgal. Do you remember from last week what Gilgal actually means? Maybe you don't, so back up just one verse to verse 9, and let's read what, uh, what does Gilgal mean. Right there in verse 9. <clears throat> and the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you, and so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. Gilgal. That means to roll away shame. Because at Gilgal, God brought his people close, and he rolled away the shame of them being slaves in Egypt. Down there in Egypt, they were captives, they were slaves, they were, they were looked upon with disgust, they were treated like animals, they were shamed into believing maybe they really were less than human. And at Gilgal, God has gently brought them out of the desert and through the Jordan and stood them up. And he's taken the shame away and he's, he's restored their dignity. Rolling away shame. It reminds us that if, um, if the Bible were a song, then the refrain would be redemption and restoration. And if you take that principle found right here in Joshua chapter 5, and you start walking through the books of the Bible, and you follow, follow a path right through the pages of the Bible, when you get to the end of that path, you're going to be standing right in front of the cross of Jesus. Because the whole story of the whole Bible is summed up in that one word in verse 10, Gilgal, rolling shame away. Now, why do we talk about dignity? Why do we believe in love life? Why do we stand over against abortion? Because we believe that God created man and woman, Genesis 1, 2, and 3. God created man and woman in his image as image bearers of God. That means that every single life has dignity. But, but that inherent dignity is disfigured in all of us because we are sons and daughters of Adam. You get your sinful nature from your parents. They got it from their parents all the way back up to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve in, in Genesis 3 fell into sin in the garden, and humanity has been sinning ever since. And because of our sin, the Bible's story, there's a narrative in the Bible, a story. The Bible's story is creation, fall, redemption, consummation. God's creation of men and women, their fall into sin, the redemption found in Christ, and the end, consummation of Jesus coming to get his church. That's the story of the whole Bible. And at the cross of Jesus that Joshua points us to, Jesus redeems sinners. He restores sinners. We, if you've been to church for any time, you know that gospel story. You know that. 
But there's something we sometimes overlook. When you come to Christ and your sins are taken away, don't forget the word shame. Shame is a powerful thing. If you've, ever, if you've ever felt shame, you know the burden of it. You know the crushing weight of shame. Shame is a, is a hard thing to carry around when people know something. And what we, what we need to remember is that this passage that points us opaquely to the cross, this passage says when God redeems, He rolls away shame. So look, today when we, when we take the Lord's Supper and that, when that wafer touches your tongue and, and that juice passes your lips, remember that Christ has dignified you. Not so that you can uh, lift your head up high. That's not why you've been dignified. You've been dignified so that you can glorify the name of Jesus. So let me ask you. What makes you feel ashamed? What is there in your life that if people knew about it, you'd be ashamed? Can you think of something? Most of us can't. Can you think it? I'm going to ask you just mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Would you, would you bring that to Gilgal? Would you bring that to the cross and let God roll away shame and restore dignity? Look, God, God brought you. This is what we believe about God. He's sovereign and controls all things. God brought you into that pain, into that struggle, into that history so that you might look to him and have him restore your dignity. You see, in all things, we can celebrate God's goodness. Let's celebrate the dignity of life given by God. Something else we need to celebrate. Number two, let's go down uh, into verse 10 again. Here's the second thing. Number two, we need to celebrate grace, the word grace. Grace is a Christian word. It's filled with more than just uh, giving someone more than they deserve. That's grace. But the grace we're talking about is this absolute jaw-dropping grace. Let's go back to verse 10 and watch something amazing happen right there in verse 10. For only the third time in the history of Israel, they're going to practice the Passover. Go and read it, verse 10. While the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept... The Passover. Now, Paul's right there. Think about what's happened. They uh, came out of the desert. They crossed the Jordan. They're standing on the edge of the Promised Land. We preached it last week. All of, all of the men were circumcised. Was, that was a lot of fun to preach. And through that, all the shame of being slaves in Israel was taken away. Uh, the slaves in Egypt was taken away. And now what they do is, for the first time in 40 years, they remember God's saving grace during the Passover. Now, you, you need the backstory if you don't know it. The backstory is found back in Exodus when God spoke to Moses and going to lead the people out of slavery in Egypt. And Moses, to Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh wouldn't do it. So God sent a plague, one plague, two plagues, three 
four, five, the 10th plague. Exodus chapter 12, it was a terrible one. The plague was that at midnight, the angel of vengeance would come through each village and strike down the firstborn of every household, sparing only those households where the blood, where the blood of a slaughtered lamb was placed on the post and the angel of death would pass over. That's where the Passover would pass over and spare everyone in the house. So now they're on the edge of the promised land. And they remember God's grace. This is where we get um, the language of Jesus as the Paschal, the, the Passover lamb. This is where uh, John the Revelator was writing in Revelation and tells us that Jesus is the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, knowing this points to Jesus. This is what we sing, that the lamb, for, the lamb of God for sinners slain. Here it is right here. Here's the Christian gospel, a gospel of grace that is rooted in the cross, that is given by grace, that is expressed in love. Let's Let's not forget how good grace is, how humbling it is, what it does to us. Let's not forget that we were not saved by anything we did, any righteousness we have. We are no better than any terrible person you can think of. We are saved by the grace of God found in Jesus. Grace is God loving us while we were rebels and self-righteous and judgmental and unholy. And when that wafer touches your tongue today that juice goes down your throat today it's good and right for you to remember and to celebrate the gospel of grace now when i say gospel of grace i want to make sure i am is explicit you never can't assume the gospel the gospel of grace goes like this god is the holy creator who created all of us in his image the image of god in each of us has been disfigured by our own sin that sin separates us from God. That's the problem that the gospel fixes. A separation that is so bad that we can't get to God and our sin prevents him from coming to us. The solution that God has had from the very foundation of the world before any of this happened is Jesus, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Son of God. Fully God and fully man lived perfectly. Kept all of the law. Go read the gospels. Kept every one of them. Did that in a way we can't. That's not all he did. He went to the cross, and there on the cross, he died as the substitute for sinners. Substitute, why? Because God is just. Sin must be paid for. Jesus took all of the sin of all of the sinners that will ever be saved on the cross, died there in the place of sinners. God raised him from the dead, and the way that good news is appropriated is you turn from sin and believe it have you experienced the grace of god dignity we celebrate grace let me give you something else just keep looking at verse 10 number three we celebrate god's word god's word i won't stay here very long but it's at least worth mentioning let me show where i get that in verse 10 um i think it's worth mentioning let me read it verse 10 while the people of israel were encamped at gilgal they kept the passover 
on the 14th, look, look at the language. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening. Notice the detail. Now, when you're reading Genesis and Exodus and get past Leviticus, you get over to Numbers, Deuteronomy, and, and you come into Joshua and Judges and, and, and even Ruth and the Samuels and the Kings and the Chronicles, they're all stories. And so you take these big chunks of passages, but sometimes you narrow down and look at detail. And it's important right here that on the 14th day in the evening, that's not an arbitrary statement. That is exactly, go, go check my math here, that is exactly the time, the date, and the time of day that God gave the people of Israel when they are supposed to, to, to practice the Passover and celebrate it when he told them that in Exodus chapter 12, verse 6. And right here in Joshua 5, you have God's people following God's word. Now, by way of application, I want to talk to those of you that are Christians. All of you here that are Christians, that are going to take the Lord's Supper today. I want to call you back to God's Word. Especially in those times when you want to get away. When you, when you, when you, don't, you don't want to be at church, you don't want to be around people, you don't want to read the Bible, you don't want to pray. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to grit your teeth a little bit and come here and put your hands on either side of this book and get your face down here where you can see the print and slowly read it. Especially when you're, when you're in pain. Look, especially when you've gone through tragedy, especially when you're in the fog of depression, when you're confused about direction, when you've been hurt so bad you don't think you'll recover. If you've, if you've been through the horror of, of abuse, if you've walked through the, the lonely path of divorce, if you felt the terrible sting of, of death visit your home, you've, you've borne the weight of, sh of some of shame, I, I'm asking you to come to this word. You need to come to God's Word for, for, for strength and for assurance and for nutrients, for, for clarity. Your soul needs healing that only God's Word can give. You need to be reminded of forgiveness over and over again right here in God's Word. You, you need direction. And as you read it gently and slowly, the fog will lift. Look, don't. Don't hate the pain of this hard season. This hard season is fertile ground for your own growth as a Christian. If you'll, if you'll turn to the Bible when you suffer, if you'll, if you'll come to the Bible when you suffer, the words you find here are going to be, some of you can attest to this, that when you're in such pain, you come to the Bible, the words you find here, they, they ring more true, they, they, they're more meaningful, they're more powerful than you could ever imagine. And if you do that, what's going to happen is you're going to find yourself being thankful 
Go read the story of Joni Erickson Tata. Go read her story. I heard her speak somewhere, and the amazing thing to hear her say, I'm thankful for the wheelchair. If you, if you can do that, you're going to find yourself being thankful for the pain that made you grow, and you start realizing, I really can. I can give thanks in all things. You have this dignity to celebrate, and, and you have the grace of God and the, the Word of God. I'll give you another thing to celebrate, and that is we need to celebrate hope. We need to celebrate hope. Again, I won't say that very long, but it's at least worth noting in verse 10. Pay attention to where they are there in verse 10, the very end. The people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal. They kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month in the evening on the plains of Jericho. Jericho's a city. They don't know that the walls of Jericho are going to come tumbling down. They don't know that yet. All they know is here is the enemy, and now they are celebrating the Passover right in the face of the enemy. Look, we live in a world that hates the God of the Bible. It's always amazing to me the number of politicians that are sworn into office and put their hand on the Bible. Man, they wouldn't do that if they knew what that Bible said. We live in a world that hates the God of the Bible. If you don't believe that, you come out with us on Saturday and stand there and feel evil like you've never felt. Live in a world that hates the God of the Bible, that will scorn and malign and misunderstand all that we are, but we live here with humility and trust and hope. We live here with humility. God has brought us this far, and he'll keep us. We live here with trust just like the people in Joshua chapter 5, we don't know exactly where we're going. We don't even know what's going to happen when we get there. But our God has gone on before us. He is our rear guard behind us. And because of that, we can live this life with hope. Let me give you one last thing before we take the Lord's Supper. That is, we need to celebrate providence. I hope you'll come to love the doctrine of providence i hope you'll i hope you'll search out providence you'll i hope you'll send me an email ask me what can i read about providence i'm going to send you something to read about providence now as I, I read these verses verse 11 and 12 i want you to just notice um notice something that's mentioned three times let me read it to you and uh, see if you pick it up verse 11 and 12 <clears throat> And the day after the Passover, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land, unleavened cakes, parched grain. And the manna ceased the day after they ate the produce of the land. There was no longer any manna for the people of Israel, but they ate the fruit of the land in Canaan. Did you hear it? Three times they ate the fruit of the land. Now, something's going on here. Two things, and let's put them in different categories. Two things have happened Number one, they are eating what's naturally provided in the land of Canaan. They're eating the produce of the land. Number two, the manna that God had been giving them from heaven ceased. Two kinds of providence I want to look at very quickly. One is the remarkable providence of God. And the other is the ordinary providence of God. What do I mean when I say remarkable providence? 
I mean that for 40 years, God himself fed his people from heaven. It dropped down, and all they had to do was pick it up. Forty years, a million people a day, he kept shoes on their feet and gave them food to eat. And they didn't know what it was. Even the word manna fell from heaven and they walked around saying manna because that phrase means, what is it? We don't know what it is, but it sure does taste good. And they called it manna. It's a remarkable, miraculous thing that God did. And that's a beautiful thing that helps us in our faith. Some of you have experienced remarkable providences. When, when the doctor says that the verdict of the cancer is terrible, you'll die in six months, and miraculously, something happened and the doctor was wrong and you were healed. When the car wreck was so terrible, we can't even tell what kind of car it is, and yet you walked away. When the when the adoption finally comes through after so much bad news, when the money has played out and you got one more cent and you get a job offer. For some of us, it was uh, the remarkable providence was when you graduated high school. A miracle in itself. And all of these things that happen in our lives, God does that supernaturally. It brings tears of joy to our eyes. It strengthens our faith. It makes us want to live for God in ways that we didn't before. And we should be thankful for all of those remarkable providences. We see them from time to time. Not a lot, time to time in our lives. More likely, though, we have what you find here is the ordinary the ordinary providence of God. Go read verse 11 and 12. Three times the writer tells us it was the fruit of the land. What was naturally provided there in the land, that's what sustained them. We are told that they would walk into the promised land. They would eat naturally what was there, the ordinary fruit and produce and grain from the land, which isn't anywhere as dynamic as manna falling from heaven. We don't even know what it is. but it's providence nonetheless. You walk out of here today, you can stop by the water fountain, push a button, clean water comes out. Get into a car, probably has air conditioning. If not, maybe your house has air conditioning. If not, maybe you should just stay in this building. <laughs> had coffee to drink. Had coffee to drink this morning. Didn't think anything about it. Soap in your shower, deodorant you're wearing, food at your house, shelter to be under. That, that, that they've been able to take the plant cotton, make it into fiber, and give us clothes. A cell phone. A, a hundred thousand things that God keeps on providing in your life that you should thank God for the ordinary providences surrounding you so that even in your worst day, open your eyes and see that I can in all things celebrate God's goodness to me. Today, that's exactly what we do. And we take the Lord's Supper.
Will you join me as we pray together? Father, I pray that by grace you might make us see how good it is to be cared for by you. Pray that you would heal your people, you would forgive, restore, redeem, and be honored in your people. Help us live this week thankful for the ordinary providences of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now this morning as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper, if you have the element close by, let's uh, go ahead and prepare it. it. It can be a little bit tricky. If you'll pull the top layer of plastic off, and there you'll find the element. Go ahead and pull it out and maybe put it to the side. And then gently pull off the top of the cup of grape juice. Put that to the side. Before we take the Lord's Supper, I want our hearts to be right. <clears throat> so I'm going to have just a moment of prayer, give you a chance just to briefly take some things to the Lord. Now before I do that, let me explain how we take the Lord's Supper here. There are two things we call ordinances. One is baptism, that is the front door into the church. The other is the Lord's Supper that is reserved for those that are members of the church. Now, we don't restrict that to just Hickory Grove members. We do, however, ask that if you are not a born-again Christian, that is to say, you put your faith in Jesus Christ and then follow through with baptism, it might be best for you not to take the Lord's Supper. If you have small children that have never given their lives to Christ, I would also say this is a good teaching tool. They shouldn't take the Lord's Supper, and on the way home, you can explain what it means to become a Christian. As we pray this morning, I'll invite you to take your known sins to the Lord, confess those, and be cleansed. Father, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would call into account the ways we have sinned, and we take those to the cross of Christ. I pray that you would bring into our minds and hearts those relationships that need repairing. And I pray that now you would center your people on the body and blood of Jesus. In Christ's name we pray, amen. The Bible says that on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Bible says that in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant given in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you are proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. You are saying, we believe that Jesus died on the cross 
in my place and my righteousness is found in Christ. Today, if you were not able to take the Lord's Supper or you want somebody to pray with you, you want to talk about what it means to give your life to Christ, in a few moments we'll sing. That's an invitation for you to come and pray. We'll have pastors down the front row. We'll be out in the lobby afterwards. We want to make sure you have a clear grasp on the gospel of Jesus. Father, thank you. Thank you for the grace you've given us in Christ. Thank you for the Lord's day. Thank you for the healing power of the gospel. Thank you for rolling away shame. Thank you for reminding us that we are children of God. Thank you for the dignity that you've put in us. Thank you for the strength to speak and stand for life. Father, I pray that you would heal your people, call your people, restore to us the joy of our salvation that we might be salt and light. In Jesus' name we pray.